0: Thank you, Brother Bob. God bless you. Great message, wonderfully sung. It's also a great reminder of the opportunity we have to change lives in Columbia. We are receiving monies for the gifts for Christmas and uh, food baskets that we give. That means so much to the people, and there'll be a lot of those folks there. When we get up to heaven, that'll say, thank you for giving to the Lord. Well, if you have your Bible, open to 2 Kings 18.23 today talking about the enemy's false promises. Welcome to those of you at home, and welcome to those of you watching in our Life Center. I pray that the message is a blessing for you as well. 2 Kings 18, 23, page 404 in your pew Bible. If you'd like to use a pew Bible, 404 and 405. Here as we hear, here as we hear, isn't that great? Here as we are aware of the words of a, A Syrian general named Rabshakeh, as he spoke on behalf of his master concerning an offer to the people of Jerusalem about what they would receive if they surrendered and came over to their side. And in this, we see a parallel, I believe, of what the old devil says to people about serving him. And we hear the same three offers, and I think there's kind of a parallel between Assyria's master, Sennacherib. And the old devil, Satan himself. And so that's kind of the point of the message today is to share this parallel. Verse 23. Now, therefore, come make a bargain with my master. Stop there. It's never a good idea to make a, an agreement with the old prince of darkness himself, the king of Assyria. And I will give you 2,000 horses if you're able on your part to set riders on them. Verse 31. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, Make your peace with me. You can hear the serpents hiss. And come out to me, and each eat each of you his vine, and each his fig tree, and drink each of the waters of his own cistern, until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive trees and honey, that you may live and not die. Yeah, right. But do not listen to Hezekiah when he misleads you, saying, The Lord will deliver us, and we'll stop there. Father, I pray you'll remind us today that the old serpent is still making these same three offers the king of Assyria made through Rabshakeh, the the general. Help us, Lord, to trust in Jesus for these gifts, because what he gives, Jesus really gives lasting gifts, lasting peace, lasting life. Help us to not be deceived by the enemy's very seductive offers. I pray, God, you'll bless us today as your children and those that have never made a commitment to Christ today would be that day. Father in heaven, we ask you to stir hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. The enemy tries to offer what Jesus offers, but the enemy lies about what he really offers. The enemy tries to offer what Jesus offers, but the enemy lies about what he really offers. We see this in today's passage. An Assyrian field general named Rabshakeh made several offers to King Hezekiah to surrender. And the three kinds of offers he made are the same three kinds Satan still offers today. Assyria's king had already exiled northern Israel, and now he had captured Judah's 46 strongest fortified cities. Next stop, Jerusalem. And he would own the city of God. So Hezekiah, the king of Judah, sent messengers to a serious general. He said, withdraw your troops, Rabshakeh, and I'll give you all the silver and most of the gold out of the temple. So much so he'd have to remove it from the doors and the doorpost to give it to him. But a serious king didn't want more gold and silver. He wanted Jerusalem as a trophy, as a testament to his king and his gods. Rabshakeh cried out to Hezekiah's men, Don't think you can trust in Egypt. Don't put your trust in the Lord. Your only hope is to surrender to Sennacherib and come out to him so you can have plenty of good things, which you'll never have with Hezekiah. Surrender to Sennacherib. Come out with us to a better land, or else everything will be bad for you. What we see here in this chapter is a picture of the same arguments the old devil still uses to try to talk people into submitting to him. Surrender to me. Come over to me. Join me on the dark side. And you'll have all the good things the world has to offer, but he doesn't tell you the truth about the gifts he offers. Come out to me and I'll give you ABC. What he slipped in they probably missed was, I will take you away to another land. They'd be captives. They'd be prisoners. Exiles who gave up their liberty and freedoms which is exactly what Satan still says and whispers today. 1967, Charles Manson said to Susan Atkins, Come join me in my group, and I'll give you all the things you won't find in your life. So she joined the Manson family. She came over to the dark side. She took, as Steppenwolf sang, a magic carpet ride and became a trusted follower of Manson. So much so, when he killed a man for money, she participated in the death. When, the sent, when Charles Manson sent Atkins and three others to the home of actress Sharon Tate, Atkins went, holding the expectant actress down on the ground while Tex Watson killed her with a knife. Atkins was found guilty and sentenced to death in 1972, and she died in cancer of cancer in prison in 2009. Charlie Manson made a lot of promises, but the promises required Susan Atkins to give up her freedom and her life as they always do. What Manson promised wasn't what it seemed. What the serpent in the garden promised to Adam and Eve wasn't what it seemed. What a general named Rabshakeh promised to Hezekiah and those in Jerusalem was not what it seemed. Satan makes a lot of promises, but what he gives is not what you thought he would give. What Jesus promises is far beyond what we could ever ask or think, and it's way far better. And while Satan's promises sound a lot like our Lord's promises, they sound like his promises, but they're very much different. You know the word pray, P-R-A-Y, sounds a lot like the word pray, P-R-E-Y. When you talk to God and the other, well, you die. The word sight, C-I-T-E, sounds like sight, S-I-T-E. One's a footnote and one you do at a picnic. Peak, P-E-A-K, sounds like peak, P-E-E-K. One puts you on a mountaintop and one can put you in jail. Satan promises sound a lot like the Lord's promises, but they're nothing alike. So this morning, listen to Rabshakeh's promises to Hezekiah, and you'll hear the serpent whispering the same to people today. First of all, false promise number one from this Assyrian general. Just like the king of Assyria, he promises gifts. He promises gifts. Verse number 23 now therefore, come make a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria, and I'll give you 2,000 horses if you're able on your part to set riders on them. Assyria's general said, Surrender and we'll give you 2,000 horses. Surrender and we'll give you all these assets, even though you probably don't have 2,000 riders. This reminds me of Luke chapter 4, verse 5. Satan led Jesus up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment in time. And Satan said, all these I will give you if you'll fall down and worship me. Come over to my side. Let's make a bargain. And technically it's all yours. You know, the Bible says in 1 John 5, 9, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Ephesians 2, 2, Satan is the prince of the power of the air John 12, 31, he is the ruler of this world. Now that doesn't mean he has ultimate authority over the world, but God has given Satan temporary authority over this present world system. It's kind of like a certain prisoner being called the head boss in the prison. He certainly has a lot of sway in the prison, but he has, like Satan, a limited amount of authority. The real power and authority in a prison is the warden. In the spiritual realm, Jesus has all authority. He's the warden. He told his disciples, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. So what is it Satan promises to give? He promises to give popularity, money, looks, success, achievement, all the things the world wants. He promises to give. A famous celebrity died this past week, tragically, from an auto accident. Her net worth was over $4 million. I don't think that really matters a lot right now, do you? Actress Jane Mansfield was a multiple millionaire when she died in 1967 and that was in $67. I don't think that matters a lot right now. Hugh Hefner was worth over $50 million when he died in 2017. And no doubt his greatest regret right now this very moment is not that he didn't spend his $50 million faster, knowing whoever dies with the most toys wins, uh-uh, or earn more money or more fame or have more immoral relationships. There in his castle and palace. His greatest regret is that he surrendered his soul to the prince of darkness who ne- never can satisfy. Hezekiah's surrender will give you more horses than you can ride. Did Assyria have it to give? Oh, yeah. Should Hezekiah surrender? Oh, no. As I mentioned Wednesday night, 2 Kings 1730 and following, talk about all the gods the Canaanites, including the Assyrians, worshipped. They worship Nergal, the rooster god, Ashima, the goat god, Nibhaz, the dog god, Adramelech, the sun god, Anamelech, the rabbit god, and Molech, the god to whom you sacrifice your own children. To be taken to Assyria would be taken to be forced to worship these non-existent gods. There's no way Hezekiah could surrender. Man, this was Patrick Henry's give me liberty or give me death. He had to tell the enemy, keep your gifts because the gifts came with chains, and a loss of freedom, and a loss of family, and a loss of heritage. It's the same today. A lot of people surrender to the devil in hopes he'll give them all the things they want. Tommy Johnson was one of those. Not only a severe alcoholic, and he was to the point of drinking methanol from the cooking fuel Sterno in the cooking cans. But he was just a fair guitar player, never received a lot of recognition or acclaim But something happened in Tommy's life, his brother said, in the late 1920s that changed his playing and changed his life. Suddenly, as if overnight, Tommy Johnson was able to play the guitar behind his neck, between his legs, and up in midair like nobody's business. His voice was suddenly unique and incredibly difficult for anyone to imitate. Soon Tommy was playing at nightclubs everywhere, and he had big hits coming out like the one alcohol and Jake Blue's. You can listen to that on YouTube if you choose. Tommy died after playing at a party in 1956. And after he died, they asked his brother Liddell, how in the world was it Tommy could play the guitar so well? Here's what Liddell told him, quote, Now if Tommy was living, he'd tell you, he said the reason he knows so much is that he sold himself to the devil. And I asked him, how? How did you do that? He said, well, if you want to learn how to play anything, if you want to play and learn and make songs yourself, you take your guitar and you go to where a road crosses that way, where that crossroads is, and he told him where it was. And you get there before 12 o'clock that night, so you, you know you'll be there, and you have that guitar, and you be playing a piece there by yourself. And a man will walk up and take your guitar from you, and he will tune it for you. And he'll play a piece and hand it back to you. And that's the way I learned to play anything I want. End quote. Liddell Johnson became a preacher, but he said the man Tommy met. He said, his brother said, the man Tommy met was the devil himself. And of course, that's where the story came from, be it legend or true, I don't know, that Tommy sold his soul to the devil. Now, maybe it is legend, but here's what's not legend. When a person ignores Jesus and the gift of eternal life, they sell their soul for a whole lot less than the ability to play a guitar. Fame, fortune, and moral living, it's all selling your soul to the devil. Adam and Eve thought they wanted to be like God. They wanted to know what God knew. And so the old devil says, if you eat the forbidden fruit, you'll be like him. So they did. And suddenly they had knowledge, but knowledge they had sinned. And they lost the Garden of Eden. Or as John Milton put it, of man's first disobedience and the fruit of that forbidden tree whose mortal taste brought death into the world in all of our woe. Ain't it the truth? Ain't it the truth. With loss of Eden to one greater man, restore us and regain the blissful seat. Thank you, Jesus. Like Rabshakeh, the Assyrian-filled general, Satan promises gifts, but they're not what they seem. By the way, would Rabshakeh, the general, really have given the Jews 2,000 horses? No. Where were the horses when he made the offer? Still in Assyria. So had the people of Jerusalem walked single file in full surrender, would they really have been a delivery of the 2,000 horses promised to Hezekiah? And the answer is no. No more than Adam and Eve actually became like God. When Satan promised, they would. Satan doesn't keep his promises. And what he promises in exchange for your surrender is not what he really gives. However, in contrast... Jesus does give what he promises. And when Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, he really pays. He really gives. Satan offers death. Jesus offers life. Think of it, man. Eternal life. Eternal life. Life into the eons and eons and eons. You know, eternity is something we need to think more about than we do. Count every drop of water there is in every river, every lake, every ocean on the planet, and when that last drop is counted, it's still the first day of eternity. Whew, I like that. If you took every particle of sand and every speck of dirt of which this earth is made and count every single one and pound, uh, pause for a hundred years between each piece of dirt and each speck of sand and grain of sand, it's still the first day of eternity. And finally, imagine a globe made of solid iron. The earth is a solid ball of iron. And every 10,000 years, a little sparrow comes along and just brushes the surface of the earth somewhere on the surface with its wing. When the entire globe of solid iron has been worn away by the brush of a sparrow's wing every 10,000 years, it's still the first second of eternity. The wages of sin is death, eternal death. But... The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All the wealth, all the fame, all the popularity and achievement that Satan in this world can offer cannot begin to compare with the gift of eternal life. And as Rabshakeh stood there at the conduit of the upper pool outside the walls of Jerusalem, outside the walls of Jerusalem, he yelled up to the watchman and said, Come and make a bargain with us. Come and bargain with us. Surrender to us. And we'll give you 2,000 horses, though you probably don't have 2,000 riders. Was it a condescending jab to say they didn't have the riders? Was it a genuine offer or, as I believe, a picture of Satan offering the world to those on the fence as to whether or not they'd serve the Lord or whether they'd serve Satan? Realize, like the king of Assyria, Satan falsely offers gifts. He promises gifts, but what he gives... Is not what you thought it was. Jesus offers eternal life. His gifts are real and lasting and good. Number two, like the king of Assyria, Satan falsely promises peace. Promises peace. Look in verse 31. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, make your peace with me and come out to me And eat each of his vine and each of his fig tree and drink each of the waters of his own cistern. You don't appreciate the irony of the offer, make peace with the king of Assyria, until you do a little research on how vicious and brutal and pagan old Sennacherib really was. There was no making peace with Sennacherib. He was brutal with captives and prisoners and exiles. 19th century British archaeologist, by the way, I say it all the time, I'll say it again, I love how archaeology always, always, always confirms God's Word. Sir Austin Henry Layard excavated many places in ancient Nineveh, and he found many reliefs, these these pictures on the palace walls of Sennacherib. He found the cuneiform writing that went with him, and in one of his palaces, King Sennacherib bragged on how badly he treated the enemy prisoners. Talk about the king here in this passage. Quoting King Sennacherib from his own writing. Isn't it cool to quote from the king outside of the Bible? Here's what he said. On his own palace wall, Sennacherib said, I cut their throats like lambs. I cut off their precious lives as one cuts a string. Like the many waters of a storm, I make the continents of their gullets and entrails run down on the earth wide. My prancing steeds, harnessed for my riding, plunged into the streams of their blood as a river. The wheels of my war chariot brings low the wicked, the evil, and they're bespattered with their own blood. And then the king, this Assyria mentioned here, he describes some other things on the relief walls in cuneiform writing that I cannot read from the pulpit. It's against what he did to the males, and it is not good. It's rated R. I can't read it. Sorry about that. And in several of the bedrooms of old Sennacherib's palace, they have found pictures of where there were severed heads on the relief walls as he boasted about what he did to his captives. There's even pictures of deportees beaten by billy clubs called truncheons. Some of the images on Sennacherib's palace walls are so violent and brutal. They are rated R, and I can't tell you what he bragged about doing, but it was really bad. Let's just say this, friends, to believe this general's uh, assessment of his master being of a peacemaking frame of mind toward the enemy captives is a hoot, as we say in East Tennessee, a hoot and a holler. It's a hoot and a holler. Just as it is uh, he a hoot and a holler believes believe Satan, the prince of darkness, is of a peacemaking frame of mind, and he only wants to give his captives peace. Same lie. Jesus said the thief comes but to steal and kill and destroy, and that doesn't sound very peaceful. He steals the truth so people cannot believe it. In the parable of the soils where the sower went out to sow seed, Satan is the bird who snatches the seed from the soil so it cannot take root and bear fruit. Satan is the one who whispers to unbelievers, ah, you don't want to go to a Bible-believing church. Go somewhere you're going to be entertained, where you can hear what you want to hear. Don't go to church today because, you know, you're really kind of sleepy, Right? Aren't we all the sleepiest on Sunday morning when we get up? It's amazing how that works. Oh, you don't want to miss the ball game that's today. Mm. Revelation twelve nine, Satan deceives the whole world. 2 Corinthians eleven three, he deceived Eve by his craftiness. He takes simple truth and makes it complicated and confusing, so people believe lies and not the truth. Hence, all the cults. Jesus says, "The thief comes to steal and kill." and destroy Satan prompted Cain to kill his brother Abel and Judas to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver the Bible tells us Satan filled Judas's heart Satan causes people to damage their bodies with drugs and alcohol he wants unbelievers off this planet as quickly as possible to have them out of the land of grace and opportunity so they cannot hear and cannot believe and the sooner they leave the land of opportunity the better for him He comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. The word destroy is not just physical death, but it goes beyond that, Apollomai, to eternal doom. Satan is Apollyon, the destroyer. Jesus said, Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He's talking about eternal punishment. It is as ridiculous to think that Satan, whose mission is to steal, kill, and destroy, wants to give anyone peace in their lives as it is to think Sennacherib wanted to give any of his prisoners peace. I think about a fellow years ago named Alistair Crowley. He called himself the Great Beast, 666. I can top that. Guess what his mama called him? The Beast. Uh. From a young age, he studied the occult and practiced Sexual magic connected with drugs. I don't know what that is. I don't want to know. He practiced calling his guardian angel regularly. Newsflash. It wasn't a heavenly angel he called. He studied Taoism and Buddhism and the occult. And more and more and more, he devoted his life to heroin and bisexuality. By the way, some of this sounds remotely familiar in today's culture, doesn't it? Drugs and bisexuality. He practiced black magic. He practiced tarot card reading. He moved into a small hotel in Hastings, England, dying of a heart attack from his own self-inflicted drug abuse. Satan got him. He got him. Did Aleister Crowley have peace in his life? No way. Does Satan give peace to anybody? No way. John 14, 27, Jesus told his disciples, in contrast to the prince of darkness, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And then Romans 5.1, I love this. Having been justified by faith, we have what with God? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus not only makes peace between us and God, it also gives us peace in our hearts and our lives, that tranquil serenity we have in knowing things are right between us and Him. So if I die before I wake, I know the Lord my soul will take. Peace with God, peace of God. The enemy doesn't give us gifts. Jesus gives real gifts. The enemy doesn't give us peace. Jesus gives real peace. And number three, the enemy, like a serious king, cannot, does not give life. But Jesus does. Look in verse 32. Until I come and take you away. Underline those words. They weren't going to get to stay in comfy Jerusalem. Oh, no until I take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and a land of new wine, that's juice, freshly expressed, land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive trees and honey, that you may live and not die. Mm -hmm. But do not listen to Hezekiah when he misleads you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. A key phrase of this verse is the one at the beginning, I will take you away. I will take you away. Surrender did not mean staying in Jerusalem. Surrender meant going to a place where other gods had to be worshipped and other values had to be held. And the worship of God, Jehovah, would not be tolerated. Surrendering meant being taken away, losing all your freedoms, all your rights. So you were never your own again. And your children would never be their own again. And their children would never be their own again. With fingers crossed behind his back, Rabshakeh said, I'll take you to a place just like this place, and you'll live, and it'll be great, and you'll not die. Two lies in the statement. Number one, Assyria was nothing like Jerusalem. And number two, if they went there, they'd experience death and not life. The words on the walls of Sennacherib's palace that they have found remind us of what life was like for captives in Assyria. The sketch is an archaeological discovery from the ruins of Assyria. It shows an Assyrian king. You can look at this online. Assyrian king with captives. That's probably all you need to Google to see it. An Assyrian king, Sennacherib blinding a captive while holding his head still with a hook in his lips. Other captives are shown in this in this depiction on the wall with rings in their noses. And sometimes their hands and their feet and their ears were cut off. And their tongues removed and their, and their bodies were skinned alive and set on fire. And man, there's some other stuff that this guy Sennacherib did that's not PG-13. It's R and I can't tell you, but it was bad. Let us take you away to a land like your own so you may live and not die. What a lie. Considering how they treated their captives, death would have been better than living in Assyria. Death would have been better than living in Assyria. Friend, do you see the spiritual parallel here with the, with the prince of darkness? Do you see the, the fact that there's zero life and freedom and joy apart from Jesus Christ? Colossians 1.13 says Jesus rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he transferred us. Oh, I love that word. He transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Took us out of this realm and flew us over to this other realm. See, apart from Jesus, we are born in the dominion of darkness. We aren't born good. We're born walking according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the sons of disobedience. That's how we are apart from Jesus. We're not relatively good people. We're in the wrong place in the domain of darkness. Before Jesus, we were in Satan's land. But oh, when we trusted in Christ Jesus, we were taken out of Satan's land and transferred to Jesus' land. Rabshakeh called out to the men on the wall what he said, what he offered. It was all a lie. The king of Assyria had no gifts to give, no peace to offer, no life to offer. And likewise, Satan, our ancient foe, Still seeks to work us woe. His power and craft are great. and Armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. He has no gifts. He has no peace. He has no life. What he promises, he does not give. The thief cometh but to steal and kill and destroy. However, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus offers the gift of eternal life after life. And not only that, better life in this life as we live. And what he offers, oh, here's the good part. He offers as a free gift. Free gift. I like free gifts. You should too. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the, what? Gift of God, not a works lest any man should boast. After Tommy Johnson, the guitarist, died, his brother Liddell said, Tommy told him, Tommy told him. He sold his soul to the devil. Here's the good news, friend. Jesus can redeem us back from the devil. He can redeem us back. But being redeemed is not a matter of going to church, and it's not a matter of thinking some religious thought, or getting baptized doesn't redeem us. What do you have to do? First of all, you have to realize you're in a pickle apart from Jesus. Your sins have put you and me in a separated state from him. We are in Satan's land apart from Jesus. But as we realize who he is and what we did, and we turn from our sins and we trust in Jesus, as we ask him to save us, and then after he has saved us, live as if we really believe that we are his. Live as if we really believe we belong to him. Live as those who are grateful they've received the Lord's gifts of gifts and peace and life, and we are redeemed. We ought to live as if we really believe he's the Lord. And we're grateful for all his many promises. And here's the main thing. Live as if you have said no to Satan's offer. And live as if you've said yes to Jesus'. That's what it's all about. Reject what Satan offers. Embrace what Jesus offers. Because what Jesus offers lasts. And it's real. Let's pray. If you're listening this morning online in the Life Center here in the sanctuary and you've never asked Jesus to save you, you can be saved today. Praying a prayer will not save you. Calling on Jesus to save you with real faith that changes your life will. Silently, where no one around you hears, you can silently say, Dear Lord, I know I've sinned. I know, Lord, I have broken your commandments. I know that my sins keep me out of heaven. And, Lord, I realize you're the only way to be forgiven. I believe the blood you shed on Calvary's cross is enough to cover all my sins. Please cover them now. Please forgive me now. Please save me now. Please come into my heart and life. The power of the Holy Spirit Help me live for you. I believe you're the risen Savior. Please save me now. Would there be one here this morning, no one else looking around? Would you just say, Pastor, I prayed that today. I won't embarrass you. I won't call on you. I'll say thank you. and Put your hand down. That's all I'll say. Would there be one that say, Pastor, I prayed that today, right now? Would there be one? Would there be one? Just raise your hand. Is there one? Father, we live among family members and friends and co-workers and colleagues that don't have a clue how to be forgiven and cleansed of their sins. They need proclaimers. They need witnesses. They need friends who will talk to them about the greatest opportunity of all to receive your gifts. Thank you, God, for eternal life. Thank you for the indwelling Holy Spirit. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege to live for you and glorify Jesus in all that we do. God, I pray that you'll be with perhaps the one that has a commitment that needs to be renewed or made, whatever it might be today. Be with those, Lord, that might need to move their membership to Scott Lake. I pray you'll give them clarity and wisdom today. Thank you for the chance and the opportunity to serve you. Thank you we have been transferred from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of your dear Son. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to stand in just a moment. In just a moment, we'll stand and we're going to sing hymn 296, a powerful hymn. Matter of fact, it is so powerful, it's easier to sing than to live. It's easy to sing words. It's harder to say, Jesus, you're Lord of all, and now I'm going to live it. But that's the hymn number 296, Jesus is Lord of all. If God's tugging at your heart about a decision today to be a member of this church, rededicate your life to come this morning for some other decision as we stand and sing, I'll invite you to come, all right? 296, I'll stand right here. i got my little trusty mask, so I won't make anybody sick. I'm not sick, but this is for your protection, okay? And we'll pray and we'll do whatever it is God wants you to do today. 296, as you sing it, let it be more than words. Think about it and live it. Let's stand together. I'll wait for you. You come. Words. I want us to sing one more verse today. Again, if you're here, God's tugging at your heart about a decision. Maybe you're not really attending church somewhere else where your membership is. And your membership needs to be at Scott Lake. Do what God wants you to do. That's the main thing. Do what God wants you to do. Last verse, and then we close. All right. We're be seated, and I'll ask Rex and Sharon and Myra Cole, if you guys wouldn't mind to stand here for just one second. Uh, This dear family has been attending Scott Lake for some time. They said they sense a call to transfer their membership. Their membership is currently at First Baptist Plant City. Uh, I've talked to them about their salvation, and they've been baptized by immersion. So they're coming today by transfer of letter from the Sister Southern Baptist Church, a great church. First Baptist Plant City is a great church, and we, we love them and their work there. And, uh, but they sense that God would have them here. It's a little closer to home. <laughs> a lot closer. All right. Well, we're glad you don't have to drive as far. But if you rejoice in Sharon and Rex and Myra's coming today by transferring their membership to Scott Lake, would you smile, raise your hand, and say amen? Amen. 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 Well, family, we're glad to have you guys part of our church family. Hope we can minister to you. And uh, after the service, come by and wave them. I don't know if you want to meet people and greet people. Okay, Uh, meet and greet and welcome them. That's right, we are family. That's right, all right. Tonight, what made Hezekiah a good king? Why was he a good king? What did he do that made him a great king? And Hezekiah had his faults and his flaws. He wasn't perfect, but the Bible gives him the assessment of he did right in the sight of the Lord. Why was he doing right in the sight of the Lord? We'll talk about old Hezekiah tonight. I like this guy. At any rate, come back tonight, 6.30, 30, Okay. All right, who's having our prayer for the offering? Brother Larry, thank the Lord for the offering, thank the Lord for the giving, and thank the Lord for the Cole family. Appreciate it. Come by and welcome Sharon and Rex and Myra. Great folks. Love Jesus, okay? All right, let's stand.
1: Our Father, thank you for the day, for the blessings of being in worship and for the rewards of serving you faithfully for this Cole family as they come to be a part of this church. Thank you for the message that we have heard and hopefully have received. Lord, your word teaches us that Satan came to you and promised all the kingdoms of the world if you would bow down to him. His promises are always lies. And as the pastor said, he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Your promises are always true. And we can rely on them. And Father, that includes the promise found in the book of Malachi. That if we bring all of our tithes and offerings into the storehouse... You will bless in such a way that we can't even count them all. And added to that, you will rebuke the devourer on our behalf so that he will not destroy. So, Father, encourage us to be faithful to your promises, to bring our gifts, our offerings, our tithes. Into the storehouse, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. See you tonight.